Hey guys, it's Graham, and uh, we're bringing you a very special Lost episode tonight. It's uh, the episode that we recorded way back in 2017, I think in October, when we were doing our true crime series, and it is on the film Copycat, starring Sigourney Weaver, uh, Harry Connick Jr., and uh, Holly Hunter as well. Um, it's a good episode, we just never got around to putting it out there. Unfortunately, you know, things happen. And, you know, we had to move on before we could get it up there. But right now we've got a little lull in our recording schedule. So here it is from all the way back in 2017. It is our episode on Copycat. Please enjoy. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. But there will be smiles. There'll be tears You won't watch another movie For about 800 years It's time for death By video Time for death By video yes. And we're back. And the fan in the kitchen is on. Hang on, I'll be right back. <laughs> I just heard that. It's amazing how stuff I can't hear, I just totally hear. Do we have a kitchen in the uh, abandoned video store now? Do you want to hit us up with that one more time, Lil? And we're back. That's right. Once again, we have gathered in the abandoned video store off Highway 7, north of Markham, south of the South Pole. I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm Graham. Neverland 2.0. I'm Phil. I'm Kip. And we are joined yet again by our favorite special guest, all the way from Roncesvalles. It's Lillian. The one and only Lily. So, guys, how's the last? It's been a little while since we last recorded. Um, the Toronto International Film Festival has happened. I've shot several commercials. You guys have had several life-moving events. Kit is now a grandfather. Oh, wow, Kit. Congratulations. Yep. congratulations. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phil has fought in the Vietnam War. It's true. And Lillian, we found out, was the original spreader of toy- typhoid disease in turn-of-the-century New York City. <laughs> typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. And the possible Zodiac Killer. I think we debunked that in the last episode. No. I, I mean, maybe. Yes. <laughs> okay. Wink, wink. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, wonderful. Okay. So, uh, has anyone seen anything good since we last recorded? Yes. Uh, at TIFF, I... I guess Phil did. As Kit was reaching for the microphone, <laughs> Phil sorry, just swatted Kit, him yes. away. <laughs> yeah. So, um... While you were uh, schmoozing with Isabelle Huppert at uh, TIFF. She uh, didn't make it to the party. I know. Um, crush, our, crush our hopes and dreams, why don't you, Isabelle? Yeah. She did. So we saw Greta Gerwig's solo directorial debut, yep. Lady Bird, which I really liked. Shorsha Ronan was great. Laurie Metcalf was also great. Oh, Laurie Metcalf. 
Love, love, yep. love. I was just, Lori Metcalf, uh, she, she's back. and uh, Uncle Jackie. I actually Uncle, said the words. Uncle Jackie? I did say Uncle Jackie. <laughs> I actually said the words, I love Jackie today. We were. Uh, I was remembering her on the show. And and That's of course. that you mention her. It's, it's Auntie Jackie. It's not Uncle yeah, Jackie. Yeah, exactly. Which was, yeah. Gets drunk already. Yeah. Hey. You were happy. You were happy. And she played Skeet Ulrich's mom and screamed too. Oh, that's right. I remember that. She had the infamous line of like, when she said, I always her line delivery killed me. It's like, it's called a makeover. <laughs> that's right. She was in Desperate Housewives, too. I did not watch Desperate Housewives. Wow. Took her life. Like, went crazy and took her life. Oh, my God. I don't recall that. I watched a little bit of Desperate Housewives, but I don't, don't recall that episode. She was amazing. Well, she always yeah. is, isn't yeah. she? And in Desperately Seeking Susan. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I think I figured out my flub. What's that? Uh, I was going for like a New Jersey accent when I said that, and then Uncle Jackie came out because there is an Uncle Jackie on The Sopranos. All right. Okay. Of course, ah, yes. Very well played. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Phil? Uh, we saw Revenge. Yes, you and I did. Midnight screening by a, a great French director whose name I can't recall. It's like Coralie Fagat or something like that. Something like that, yes. I have her on Instagram. She liked a photo that I took of her. So, thanks. Yeah, she... Uh, yeah. Round of applause. No, no, no. Don't applaud that. We're applauding. Besides that? Uh, Non-movie-wise, I've been watching Confession Tapes on Netflix. That's really good. All right. What's what's that about, Phil? The confession tapes. Uh, basically, it's about people who um, they were uh, somehow lured into confessing either by through psychological manipulation or coercion, and their lives were ruined by. Uh, yeah, false confessions. It's a it's a recurring theme for people who have watched the uh, West Memphis Three documentaries, mm-hmm. um, the Central Park Five, and also uh, Making a Murder for Brendan Dassey. Yes, and many an A and E show as well. Yeah. Um, okay. I've also started watching Rick and Morty, and I'm enjoying that. Uh, Rick, and Rick and Morty is great. Had you never watched it before? Nope. Oh, we well. we picked that up. We heard no. Okay. Well, no, I, I've also, I've been watching the third season, I don't know what, it's it's a non-linear show, so it doesn't matter, but I'm not spoiling anything anyway, but man, they're hitting their stride, they're in like, it's like Simpsons season five territory over here, they're like, oh, wow. right in the groove right now. With, yeah, uh, I'm a big Dan Harmon fan from Community, so I, I enjoyed the first two seasons, I haven't seen any of season three though. Oh, you'll enjoy it. I guess I will. Anything else, Kit, that you've seen recently? Um, I started watching The Deuce. Ooh, the, uh, how was that? It's it's really good. The mm-hmm. uh, the new David Simon um, joint joint set uh, during the in the Grindhouse era of uh, yep. New York's Forty Second Street, nineteen seventy one. It's got uh, James Franco twice for anybody James who likes. James Franco and James Franco. Yep, and he uh, he directed the last episode I watched, so mm-hmm. he's just he's a workaholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I saw James Franco in person, but I'll get to that when we talk about what I've seen. Oh wow, he hasn't washed his eye, uh, eyeballs since, I'm sure. Yeah, he hasn't. <laughs> I um, have. It's it's a good show. Yeah, lots lots of people in it who are from the the David Simon Wire kind of um, universe, like um, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. who played D'Angelo. Uh, yes. uh, Barksdale, um, the actor who played Chris Part- Partlow is oh, also yeah. in it, nice. and uh, Method Man um, plays a pimp. 
Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> it's like, it's I really want to see Method, Ma- Method Man play like an accountant. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I remember there was a, uh, I think it was a, 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 a Clive Owen, uh, Jennifer Aniston film where um, the Rizza's in it as just like a office guy. Cool. No, it's so strange. I remember oh, Method yeah, Man had like a random that. cameo I've in Garden that. State. Do you remember that? I never saw Garden State. Okay. You didn't miss much. No, you didn't. <laughs> and that's that. And Method Man plays somebody who's rapping in a laundromat in Patterson, the Jim Charmish movie. Oh, I want to see that. Haven't seen that, but I do want to see that. Mm-hmm. So, is that it, kid? Yeah, I, I also watched the new Star Trek show. Which How is it good? Star Trek Discovery. I watched the first episode of the old Star Trek series. That's very it's different. Good. Yeah, very good. It was good? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. They're very uh, new-looking Klingons. I thought they were fine the way they were. No, I'm sure someone in, in 1987 was just like, oh, they were fine with just eyebrows and dark skin. They look like extra aliens now, which is probably fine. That's that's way, the way it should be. It shouldn't just Evolution. be a human with a bunch of makeup on their forehead. Yeah, all right, whatever. Anyway, Graham? Worf is rolling over in his grave. Um, Michael so, Dorn is still alive, sir. I said Worf, not Michael Dorn. <laughs> a Shakespearean actor. I yeah. follow him on Twitter. Um, Lillian. No, I, 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 I didn't watch anything really that I can recall right now. But okay. you, you've had an exciting week at TIFF, haven't you? Yes, Graham. Yes, I have. Okay, let's do a quick rundown of everything I've seen since... Well, I'll start with everything. I watched the James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun. I watched the new Louis C.K. film, I Love You, Daddy. It's Whoa, I should point out that uh, we recorded this before all the uh, very bad behavior that Lucy K did uh, became public and verified. Uh, so when we recorded this, uh, there were just rumors. Uh, and uh, I'll be honest, at the time I enjoyed uh, his film, but I, uh, I agree that it should have been pulled out of uh, circulation and uh, is now next to impossible to see. World premiere. I was at the world premiere of Mom and Dad, starring Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair, with a cameo by Lance Hendrickson. Then I followed up by watching the James Bond film The Spy Who Loved Me, and then watched The Florida Project, uh, which was its, well, it was apparently TIFF. Then uh, me and Phil went to go see the world premiere of the film Revenge from France. Then I was at uh, the screening of The Disaster Artist, uh, with James Franco in attendance, as well as Dave Franco. Whoa, what a difference a year makes. Uh, yeah, so James Franco, also on the uh, not-so-good people list anymore. Um, Alison Brie and um, Tommy Wiseau himself and Greg Sestero, the two original guys from The Room. Then I watched Band of the Hand. Then I watched Bra- Brawl and Cell Block 99. Then I watched Motorrad. Then I watched The Day After. Uh, Motorrad was a Brazilian film. Uh, the Day After was a Korean film. Brawl and Cell Block 99, I gotta say, was probably like my favorite film of the festival. Uh, then I watched Manhunt, the new John Woo film, which is quite good. Then I watched Plonger, the directorial de- debut. It was its world premiere from Melanie Laurent, who acted in uh, Inglorious Bastards and Beginners. Um, then I watched the, I was at the world premiere of Vampire Clay, which was a Japanese film about sentient clay that attacks an art school. Um, and I finished up my TIFF uh, extravaganza with three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri which won the TIFF Audience Award Prize, um, and it was quite good, and I can see why it's getting so much buzz. 
do you think it'll go for the Oscar, like past audience awards? It doesn't seem like the uh, type what, of that's, film that's, that would. That's the difficult thing. I th- I think it could go for the Oscar. A bit too vulgar. It's for a those little Oscar too voters. different, but it's 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 vulgar in a way that the Coens would be vulgar. Like you're mm-hmm. to be much more of a Coen Brothers film than of a of a Martin McDonough film. It does have Francis McDormand. Yeah, in it. yeah. that's probably why. Yeah, it doesn't look like a crowd pleasing type of movie, but you know, like it, it, it's weirdly crowd pleasing. It's also it's it's for as funny as it is. It's also incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah, I figure as much. Like Martin mm. McDonough yeah, tends to be his thing. Yeah, it's like he, like I read one of his plays, The Pillow Man, which you know was involves, which is centered around torture, but like it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Like the premise is really dark, but it's really funny. Whereas mm. like his, some of his films, like they it looks like they're, it seems like they're really funny, but then like. He just hits you with the darkness, and but then there's films? also like the point in Bruges or oh okay or if he had his way, it probably would be called <laughs> Bruges <laughs> for anybody who's seen it. Um, Seven Psychopaths. Seven Psychopaths as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which I didn't really care for. I, I wasn't. Finish. I wasn't big on Seven Psychopaths, but I really enjoyed I in Bruges. I really liked in Bruges. Yeah, me too. And you will all really like Three Billboards Outside. Every I'm really Missouri. looking forward. It's really good. Really and you're it. all gonna really dig the Brawl and the Brawl and Cellbuck '99. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. All six foot five inches of him. <laughs> he is a tall man in person. He's I, money, huh? Huh? Money? So money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. not a Vince Vaughn fan. Like, I mean, like, I, I'm still, like, True Detective Season 2 is still pretty fresh in my mind. And By the way, I finished that. That show was great. Internet haters can go hate themselves I, into should, a corner. It, it started sucking mid-season. Should I finish it, though? Yeah, Does it get good again good. by the end? I liked it. I liked that show. I powered through the episodes. I did not like it, but it does get better. <laughs> from what it's okay. Because I gave up on it because I was like, I don't care about any of these characters. What am I watching this for? Mm-hmm. Season two you're talking about? Yeah, I I start. I think I started one episode and I was hearing that yeah. it's good and it, worth checking out. I just haven't got back to it. It does have a great Leonard Cohen song that starts off every episode, which is... I am curious about it. I do want to check it out. Yeah. Did you see season one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like season one started out well, and then like it like jumped the shark. I think once the killer was revealed, and then it kind of just went south. And... Yeah, I don't know. I, I like season two. I don't. know. Everyone rags on it. I liked it. It was good. And also, here's how long it's been since we recorded Tommy Tricker ages ago. Uh, I now have a cold again, so I'm drinking tea this evening. So yeah, I have a cold. Tea for kitty. Tea for kitty. Kitty cat, copycat. <laughs> Go with it. Yeah, I like it. Oh, little tiny that, in, and that ties into our film that, that we're watching yes. tonight. We are watching the mid '90s. Where is that DVD? That oh, I hold on before we go any further. Can I just get a few RIPs out of the way? Sure, go ahead. There, we, there are a lot of RIPs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've two that. notables. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe more than that. You guys can fill in the blanks. But Frank yeah. Vincent. Yes. Oh my God, Frank Vincent. Yes. The uh, get your fucking shine box guy. Mm-hmm. Who gets his revenge on Joe Pesci in Casino? He does, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and of course, the... Um, he also is also Phil Leotardo on Sopranos, as many of you may know. Yes, he is, yeah. And he gets his mm-hmm. there, too. Oh, Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, <laughs> in a very notable way. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> um, and uh, Harry Dean Stanton, the great, very, great, great sadly, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, and Dean and Stanton. when I saw that news, I got... I was actually... I was reacted by it, too, because Harry Dean Stanton seemed like one of those guys that would just, like, age until he, he just... <laughs> evaporated into the air. No, he's 91. Lived a great yeah. life. He's even got a film coming out. Uh, looks, it's a called starring Lucky. vehicle, yeah. His, yeah, la- his last is... film, which is going to be a starring vehicle, which is great. Because he stars in one... He's like the star of a film every 30 years, essentially. Yeah. Um, 
It was infamously the star, not infamously, but the star of Paris, Texas, the Vim Vendors film. Um, but yeah, uh, R.I.P. to Harry Dean Stanton. And today, of course, the... I don't even know if we should mention it because he... Let's, re- let's not. Let's, let's not. Please, no. Yeah, let's not mention who passed away today. Okay. No. <laughs> I think his contributions to film are negligible, although I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, late night film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what we're talking... Yeah. Yeah. So we won't. But anyway, yeah, like going back to Harry Dean Stan, like we had just finished Twin Peaks, The Return, mm-hmm. and that was that was very poignant. It's just like it was just coming off of that, like, and yeah, yeah there was that part in the Twin Peaks Return where he's talking about his smoking, like where he's like been, he says he's been smoking for like seventy five years or something, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. That is accurate. Yeah. yeah. Um. At the uh, there's a picture of him at the Avengers. Um. Premiere. One of the, I guess he was in an Avengers movie. I can't even remember. The first one. Um, and he's like, everybody's dressed up and he's got like this scarf on, but otherwise mm-hmm. he's kind of Harry Dean Stanton you know, mm-hmm. rumpled. And he's smoking a cigarette, just like on the red carpet, being a boss. Not that we advocate smoking. In fact, we think that people should quit smoking. Yes. Isn't that right, Lillian? Oh, did somebody say my name? Um, about Harry. I never knew his name, and I didn't know he was in Twin Peaks because I haven't tuned into that yet. He was the dad but in Pretty in Pink. But he is, yeah, I've, I love this man. I've always liked him, and uh, I remember him as the dad in yeah. Pretty in Pink. And I would call him, as you guys know, I love Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. I would call him Alice Cooper's, like, long-lost brother. Like, I always thought they mm-hmm. <laughs> looked totally. kind of alike. But, yeah, especially, yeah, have you ever seen... to hear the news. Have you seen the photos of Alice Cooper before he was in the band when he had short hair? Like, uh, yeah. and when he was in high school, he looks exactly like Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, it's Garage yeah, yeah. Rock days? Yeah, yeah. Some of those songs are collected on a couple of Back From The Grave comps. Nice. Yeah, yeah. if you listen to the songs, you like his his voice pretty much sounds the same, like teenage Alice Cooper, yeah. yeah. But it's just, you know, like 60s uh, gritty Garage Rock. Yeah. Nice. Of course, I know him best from the film Repo Man. Oh, we're still talking about Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. Okay. I was talking about Alice Cooper. We was, were, in a way, but... Same difference. Alien, <laughs> Alien is one of the first films I can remember watching as a yeah. kid. and which oh, I was, same, yeah. I was far it's too young to be... Man, yeah. Far too young to be watching that, but, I mean, I did. Ran out of the room when the chest bursting scene happened. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, the Harry Dean Stanton's character in that was very likable, and when he gets mm-hmm. cut off, gets killed halfway through looking for a cat... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sad. Yeah. I like recommend, recommend for bigger Harry Dean Stanton roles, um, Repo Man, Paris, Texas, and uh, I guess the upcoming Lucky. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks awesome. Another good Harry Dean Stanton movie, though Harry Dean Stanton has a bit part, only a bit part in it, is Tulane Blacktop. I was going to say Tulane Blacktop, where he hits on uh, War Notes. Yes. He plays cowboy, hits on War Notes, and then gets kicked out of War Notes' car. He was R.I.P. Harry Dean. Yeah, Harry, Harry Dean. Uh, also, he was in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me before Twin yeah, Peaks The Return. where he originated the character that he plays in Twin Peaks The Return. He's also in um, Straight Story and um, the other uh, David Lynch movie with Nicolas Cage. Why can't I think of it? Wild at Heart. Yeah. Of course. He was. <laughs> and on that note, why are you laughing when I'm trying to be sentimental, kid? Yes. I don't know. This, Good it just, God. It got very somber in here all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. Maybe we should hey, let's, it Let's backtrack to Frank Vincent. Like, one of his non-gangster roles, he had a cameo in Do the Right Thing where he gets sprayed with the water hose. Oh, he's driving with the top down. Uh, oh, my brother yeah. Max loves that. that movie. He'd probably remember I love that. Do the Right Thing. Yeah. So let's, um, 
Let's talk about the film that we're gonna watch tonight, which I have not seen before. I am, I am, uh, my eyes are clean when it comes to this film, but it was recommended by Lillian and Phil and Kit. So, Lil, take. I us. haven't seen Copycat. Oh, Phil hasn't seen Copycat, so it's just Lil and Kit. I haven't seen it since '96. Ooh. So, Lillian, do you want to intro Copycat? Uh, I haven't seen it since that. Well, I have. That was like the first time I've seen it. Well, uh, if I don't know if viewers will remember, but in the mid-90s, right after 7, David Fincher 7 had come out, there was a kind of a wave of these type of serial killer, true crime kind of films that had come out, and Copycat was one of the first. I thought I, I remember it coming out at almost exactly the same time as Sis7in, but although it got overshadowed by Sis7in. I think it's I think it's more uh, the the rub off of Silence of the Lambs. Yes, because every movie is being compared Silence. to Silence of the Lambs. Oh no! Right. It kicked while you were doing the Wayne's World. Um, no, it was Jim Carrey. Cable Guy. Cable Guy. Yes. Yeah, Sorry, that's times. right. Yeah. <laughs> Medieval times. Yeah. 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 Janine Garofalo's their waitress. He's wearing the face. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. He's wearing the meat on his face. Is it there? Is it that one where he says, "Yeah, I'll have some juice." Juice? Yes. Is it Cable That's Guy? Or juice? Juice? <laughs> I, I will argue juice? for the Cable Guy. I, I think it's an underrated film. It's so good. Holy shit. Does it make your, like, doesn't it make your skin crawl? People shat on it when it came out, but... It has its defenders. Uh. Well, they were expecting, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky Jim Carrey, and so they got happy-go-dark Jim Carrey. Well, there was also all the publicity because he was the the highest paid actor at the time because he got the twenty million. Uh, yeah, from he was the Batman first forever. He mm-hmm. broke that glass ceiling. I can't believe they paid him twenty million for Ace Ventura too. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> god bless that movie. I can. I love uh, Bruce Almighty. Yeah, he's really good in that too. That was that was like his last Jim Carrey role when you think about it. Mr. No, not the Bad Batch, which I also saw recently. Oh, you know what? That he is kind of he's playing a Jim Carrey character in that movie too, without words though, which is yes. interesting. Um, although it's not really a lead. Although, yeah, Bruce no. Almighty was like the last Jim Carrey role that he did. Um, What's the one where he was a vampire? <coughs> oh, Once Bitten with Lauren Hutton. Yes. That was yes, like a really yes. early one. It's like pre and living color Jim Carrey. Yes. That's back when he was James Carrey. Oh, his oh, Earth Girls Are Easy days. Oh yeah, he was also in, also another old school Jim Carrey role was where he plays like the Axl Rose type, where he's like lip singing "Welcome to the Jungle" and he ODs on heroin in the fifth the, dirty the heroin. Deadpool. Yeah, yeah Deadpool, that's yeah. right. He was in Deadpool. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. So on that note, guys, is there anything else? Uh, little, is there anything you want to preface about Copycat before we dive into it? Um, I enjoyed this. I. I don't know if it's it got me into serial killers or not, or if it was, or if I was kind of reading up on stuff before that. But this one will highlight all the well-known serial killers yeah. that most of us know. It, it's a good primer if you're just getting into serial killer lore, I suppose, because yeah. it really goes into the. Uh, yeah. It's nice and procedural about those kind of things. Anyway, it was a fun, exciting little thriller that. Uh, if you like that kind of thing, crime, like true crime and all that. And if you like Sigourney Weaver and Holly Hunter, I mean, who Woo-hoo. doesn't? Yeah. Great actresses. And uh, Harry Connick Jr., um, oh, yeah. he kind of and got Mulroney. more and more famous Whoa, afterwards. Yeah. He was singing, right? Yeah. No, he was singing before that, yeah. and then he went to acting. And... Oh. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first roles I saw him acting in, and he's sufficiently creepy in this one. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I still to this. For me, I, I won't. I won't. But he starts off creepy. Like you'll see. Uh, yeah, he, what I wanted to say was, uh, I still see him as creepy because this is the first thing Ooh, I've wow, ever okay, seen him yeah. in, so, yeah. Because I mostly just know him for, like, mm-hmm. creating, like, really banal jazz standards, dinner jazz, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Awesome. The kind of music awesome. that kid has to listen to at work. Yeah. It's much worse than that. Okay. So, guys, with that, this is Copycat. Dun, dun, dun. D for Kitty. <laughs> we'll be right back. What turns on a killer is the suffering and death of another human being. And as his determination builds to take another life, he plans in obsessive detail what props he'll bring, what knots he'll tie. Let me ask you guys something. What turns you on? A criminal psychiatrist. There's a serial killer out there who strangled three women. He's going to do it again. A homicide detective. Would you work with us on this? You're kidding, right? I do not want you discussing this case with her in any shape, way, or form. It's the Boston Strangler. Are you telling me this guy's copycatting a serial killer's been dead for... 20 years. You're looking for an intelligent white male, 20 to 30 years old, socially functional. Everything's different. Different guy. He's switched from DeSalvo to Bianchi and Bono, the hillside strangler. One man is copying the most notorious killers in history, one at a time. He's sending you letters like he's daring us to nail him. If he wants to be famous, he has to be caught. I'm death and life to you, Doc. We know that Mr. Cullen was safe in San Quentin last night, so how come his book shows up under the mattress? Together, two women must stop him. The man who has killed five women in the city was just in your apartment before he kills again. All I know to do is change your locks, tighten up your security, and pray. Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, and Harry Connick Jr. in a deadly game of cat. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And mouse. (gasps) Copycat. Mm-hmm. All right. So it didn't look like it came off that way, right? Right. You guys. And we're back after Zodiac uh, uh, Copycat. <laughs> Sorry, I took some NyQuil to com to like combat because like I'm gonna be going to bed Nicely soon. Nicely done, Graham. And the NyQuil's kicking in hard, so um, so yeah. So let's let's get through this as fast as we can. So guys, uh, thoughts on Copycat. It's your first time seeing it, Phil, right? Yeah, Phil, you go ahead first, because... Is that what you took from my kid? It's it's my first time seeing it, and it is... um, Seeing it in 2017, it's quite an underwhelming experience. I can see see where you're coming from. Yeah, I I can smell what he's cooking. I mean, it is a good film. Compared to... Another wrestling reference, awesome. Compared to The Zodiac Killer and Another Son of Sam, this is a very competently made film. Um, mm-hmm. Filmmakers knew what they were doing. Lots, lots of Dutch angles, as, yeah. we, uh, as we noticed. But um, Is the director a, a European? John uh, Emil. I don't know if he's European or not. We mm-hmm. have to check this out. I know that his next film after this one was... Um, Emil means honey in French. There so you go, John maybe. Honey. But his I next- love Miel. His next film after this was um, 
the Bill Murray uh, vehicle, the, the man, man who knew too little. little. Yeah. A, a drastic departure from uh, Copycat <laughs> into the probably what's known as Bill Murray's um, lowest point in. in he cinema. also directed a uh, Entrapment, and then after that, he's directed a bunch of like TV episodes for various shows that we've all seen, um, including mm-hmm. um, um, I think a Game of Thrones episode there, maybe or other other things that we've seen. Um, Marco Polo. He, he also was, directed, he directed the infamous film The Core from 2003. I don't remember which that. Which a friend of mine. Okay, so it's it's it is a movie that stars real actors that sounds what? like a movie that was as opposed to a movie that No, 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 <laughs> but but it's it's kind of like, you know when you see those movies like Lavalanchula or John, uh, Mega Spider versus Giant Lobster or something. That's not really a movie, but like it's that thing. So the whole idea is that we've secretly been controlling the weather for years as a means of weaponized something to attack our enemies. But unfortunately we've gone too far and now the earth's core has stopped spinning. So now we must send a team of scientists to the center. Put the microphone in front of his face. I sort of remember this film. So now Hillary Swank must, must lead a group of scientists to go down to the earth's core to use nuclear bombs to set it off again. Dollar baby, huh? It sounds very scientifically accurate. Two-time Oscar-winning actress Hillary Swank leads a team of scientists down into the Earth's core to light a nuclear bomb to uh, to uh, to restart the Earth's core. Which none of this makes any kind of remote scientific sense at all. Like if the Earth's core stopped spinning, our gravitational pull would end and we would fly off into outer space. It wouldn't cause there to be extra rain, which is basically what the movie has. <laughs> You know what? Even um, with Hilary Swank, uh, the performance that takes it away from me was the one in Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. That was uh, her star-making uh, performance. That was amazing. And uh, But I do remember her from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. What? And the scene no, where they're talking. No, no, no. The, the movie, oh, Buffy. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, the movie Buffy. Um, she's friends with Buffy. And, well, not really. You know how it is in high school, right? Yeah. And she says, get off my dick when they're talking about their prom. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I, the director is uh, at least British because um, he did some stuff for BBC very early in his career. He also directed, uh, it wasn't Game of Thrones I was thinking of, he did uh, The Tudors and uh, The Borges and Halt and Catch Fire and a bunch of TV shows that are on now. Ooh, Halt and Catch Fire, I like that yeah, show. He's very, uh, and uh, Summersby is the film I was thinking of with... Uh, with Liam... Rich, Richard Guerin, Jodie Foster about oh, a this is the film he directed before Copycat. Uh, a farmer returns home from the Civil War, but his wife begins to suspect that the man is an imposter. Hey, you did mention that. Yeah, and that's the plot of the film. One more thing about the core before we move on. So, in the original script, they had written that at a certain point when they hit the Earth's core, which in the movie is being like, "Oh my god, we're in a cave entirely made of diamonds." That's what symbolizes the Earth's core. Um, in the original script, dinosaurs showed up, but the director uh, asked to cut that because it was too silly. In a movie where Hillary Slank leads a drill truck of the world's best scientists to like get a nuclear bomb to restart the Earth's core spinning in the right direction. Sorry, sorry. When, you know, Hillary Swank and all. It yeah. wasn't what it wasn't the line that I said earlier. It was get out of my facial. Oh. Whoa. Okay. From Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. Anyway, I just always uh, remember her role in that movie when oh, I, I see I her. I guess the core is the correct of Armageddon instead of getting oil drillers to... Mm. Uh, to get scientists? Yeah, they get scientists. 
Yeah, I do. That was always the big plot in Armageddon, where it's like, why are you sending up oil drillers? Can just you you just need to teach the best minds in the world what to do, and they'll figure it out. It's yeah, not. You, I don't know if you've listened to like Ben Affleck's commentary track on Armageddon. I've heard bits of it. It's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, that, the commentary is great. His his take yeah, on the movie is quite bad. But back to this film, Kit, I think you have some important uh, <laughs> important information. I was just looking at the cast listing today. Uh, cast listing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. We got Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, Dermot Mulroney, uh, Harry Connick Jr., and uh, William <coughs> McNamara, who played our killer, <coughs> our killer Peter Foley. He also played Stefano in um, uh, Dario Argento's opera, one of my my uh, my my all time greats. But uh, I'm looking at these photos. Everyone has aged so well, except for William McNamara, who doesn't look good. No, but He's everybody not the looks one in it, right? <laughs> everybody, Holly Hunter, Dermot Mulroney, Harry Connick Jr. They look they look great. Sigourney Weaver, Give him aging time. very Give well. Give him time. Give him time. For, uh, he was the youngest one in the cast, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, even Lieutenant Quinn looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till they're in their nineties, mm-hmm. and uh... so let's let's talk about this film. So it starts off with Sigourney Weaver's character giving Helen something, giving a uh, a speech to a college class, and she kind of like Helen Hudson. Helen Hudson, and she kind of yes, the owner of. I, I remember it was an alliterative name. Yep. Um, and she basically like has all the men in the audience stand up and then she cuts them down by age and she cuts them down by ethnicity and she says one of these people could wind up being a serial killer blah 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 and then she pans around the room sees a guy's face who does like the old uh, it's a uh, ginger Harry Connick Jr. who does the uh, the old thumb across the neck to indicate you're gonna die um, who plays um, what is it Dylan? that is how he plays the character yeah, too like yeah, he did totally. a pretty good impression um, I'm pretty sure I could have played him like, how should I get him with the knife or with the gun? You decide. I'll do both. Um, That's exactly it. Like it's just like that level of like affected hamminess. Uh, yeah. He like the rest of the movie is played so deadly serious, and his character is just like, well, I guess I'll just sit here in prison and wait for those squirrel covers to roll in. <laughs> <laughs> the squirrel cover. <laughs> so we should explain that squirrel covers is a um, a euphemism solely done to what's Harry Connick Jr.'s character's name again? Callum Daryl Cullum yeah Daryl Lee Cullum yeah. yeah which seems like an amalgam of like Henry Lee Lucas and some other serial killers um but um yeah like he he that's a euphemism that he uses for uh Sigourney Weaver's undergarments um squirrel cover I had never heard it before none of us had heard it before it might be an original one and done usage of that term but I, I have that my say it could be regional yeah regional there's uh there's actually some IMDB trivia about this Go for um, it. I was looking it up, and I I had it, and then I've lost it. So, anyways, at this thing, while you're looking that up, Kit. Um, oh yes, Harry Connick Jr. Mm-hmm. was asked by the director to come up with a slang term for ladies' panties, which ended up as squirrel covers, an expression he had heard his brother-in-law use. So that's a Harry Connick Jr. original. It's a, a Harry Connick Jr. brother-in-law original. <laughs> Copyright that yeah. shit. Squirrel covers. Squirrel covers. Get your squirrel covers. Send me a pair of squirrel covers. I'm very lonely here in prison. Um, uh, He was wearing the equivalent of a a Make America Great hat again. Squirrel crazy. He really was, yeah. Yeah. He was definitely a Trump supporter in 2017 when he got out of the clink. Um, So uh, he attempts to kill Sigourney Weaver in a very... um, very public fashion like he tricks the guard that's like watching her into thinking like they're alone in a woman's washroom but then he slips off so he's in the old like standing behind a stall but he's wearing some woman's shoes 
and then like the cops like checking all the cells oh sorry ma'am and then the cop leaves and then we sinisterly see the person in the stall take their shoes off and put on man shoes and then roll down their jean pants and it's harry connick jr as um uh lee column whatever his name is um daryl lee column yeah that's the name and he kind of hangs such Gordon a Hoover. serial killer name yeah. too daryl lee cullen yeah uh well, so that's what he, they were going for he uh he hangs strings her up by a, a wire cable in the form of a noose and she's watching as he kills the first cop but then he fires the gun which alerts the second cop that comes in and saves her then we cut to modern day san francisco where sigourney weaver is now an agoraphobe uh a lit- year later a year and change 13, later. 13 months um he is uh henry lee columns now in jail and she is out oh she was never in jail um and she has an assistant she's a prisoner in her apartment yes in her own world of her own making then we're introduced to holly hunter's character and uh dylan mulroomit german 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 yeah wow you butchered that name (laughs) sorry the nyquil is causing me to like mcdermott (laughs) of it all yeah good old dylan mulrooney um is that his name? The guy from... No, I, I know. Dermot Mulrooney. I mean, the, the guy, the son of our former prime minister. Oh, that's Ben Mulrooney. Yeah, I'm sorry. That NyQuil is just destroying me right now. I used to run into Ben Mulrooney at my old job. Yeah, down at uh, 299 Queen West. Yeah. It's a tribute for all you Toronto folks out there who will know what 299 Queen West is. To everyone else in the country, just use the internet. Google it, look it up, and then bask like, oh, oh it's that place. Or don't. Yeah, it's not like you matter anyways. It's the old it's the I'm old kidding, much I'm music. kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I am a proud <laughs> Newfoundlander. I'm I'm Speaker's Corner isn't Speaker's there anymore. Speaker's Corner, nobody knows what Speaker's Corner is. I tried to talk to a few young twenty somethings about Speaker's Corner and they're like, Why would that even why would that even be a thing? Because it was the we internet have YouTube. Of the day. <laughs> well we didn't in nineteen ninety eight. Um anyways, uh no. The rest of the country is awesome. I am from Newfoundland. I've lived in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and different parts of Ontario. Um, although in Ontario, Toronto is the best, just to be honest. How do you like that, Chatham? Um, I don't know why I picked on Chatham. Yeah, Chatham's great. No, it's not. Uh, no, um, they're not that great. No, no, So back to the movie. So now... Buxton, um, on the other hand. Buxton is, is the place to be if yeah. you're not in Toronto. Um and uh can't take it away from there what's the next plot line oh well we we well we pick it up with holly hunter's character um i think and her, Dermot Mulrooney. i gotta Dermot write that Mulrooney, time yeah. yeah um mj D- detective mary jane Mo- monahan uh-huh. oh my um, mjm yeah so they're introduced they're into uh they're investigating a murder a moida um that involves nylon stockings etc etc um this gets in the news. There's a bit of back and forth about avoiding mm, the media, etc. Might be a serial killer. They're not sure. They're hesitant to call it that. And this prompts uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, who's watching the media, and she kind of she's well. Her character was she was an expert on serial killers. She was a expert witness. Her interest is peaked, right? She would get called into court to testify against um, serial killers. She knew their motives. She was like uh, one of these FBI like uh, psychological profile people. Uh, like criminal minds <laughs> but actually true but uh, yeah better better yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um so she she calls them up they think she's a crank at first they think she's talking about a moon bicycle because she called 14 times well she referred to it as a lunar cycle which is 
everyone's yeah. just like oh moon bike <laughs> we're the police moon bike come on lady no no it's a lunar cycle was that what they call is that what they call like a silly bicycle over in Australia like a lunar cycle um, I don't know what I, <laughs> you ride with your pants off wow you're a lunar on a cycle these are some great accents know. that we're getting yeah. here. We're, we're being treated to. Yeah. Um, Anyone so, from Australia listening, let us know. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on iTunes because we need it. Real. They'll all be one-star reviews. They That's, ragged on this town. They ragged on that town. Um, back to the movie. I think they only get one star in, in Australia. It's like a half star is a bad review and one star is perfect. <sighs> Going down in flames. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah. I don't know. Uh, the plot is a very procedural plot, so we're gonna get we could get bogged down in details if we like. But it turns out very quickly we realize that um, the murders three women have been murdered, <gasps> and uh, apparently the murders in are the emulating the Boston Strangler. The Boston Strangler. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a um, this uh, another redhead, another ginger. Mm-hmm. This film was not ginger friendly. No, it wasn't. Speaking as the resident ginger of the podcast. I'm here for your life, Graham. I know it was very. Um, I wanted to like hide you in a basket or something while this movie was playing. For those of you who don't know me and can hear over Kit's breathing into the microphone, <laughs> that was just like, oh my god! I just hear like in my ear, just like a, like a heavy like, stop it, dude! I paid a lot of money for that microphone. You're ruining this. Yeah, I'm a ginger. <laughs> in a nutshell, I guess. Nothing more to say. <laughs> so he changes his modius operandi, and the cops are like, oh, it's not related, blah, blah, blah. And then Sigourney Weaver like, realizes, like, no. Was her body found next to a no dumping sign? Yes. Was it posed like this, this, and this? Yes. And then she shows her a photo of the... And there's two sets of sperm, and too. Two another sets important of sperm, detail. Yeah. Turns out he works in a sperm bank. Very convenient. Um, and it turns out that he... Uh, or was there... Did he steal drugs? Because then he emulated Dahmer when he stole the, the this, white this is actually, thing. Um, no, I think he did work in a sperm bank, yeah. as, you, as you were saying. This brings me back oh, to Oh, right, because the, there was this, the close-up of the sperm that he was looking We at. find out uh, Harry Connick Jr. later in the movie, he sort of plays like, because they contact him. Um, yeah, he's through, almost like the, the, the Hannibal Lecter of the piece. A little bit, and there's like an early version of Skype where they're mm-hmm. doing like video-to-video over computers. Totally the, fictional, fake version of it, but the, yes. The early internet we get a glimpse of here in 1995 On a 56K modem, that would not be happening. But, but anyway. Also, isn't it also because uh, a book he wrote... Uh, right was found in her apartment. In We're getting ahead of ourselves. The title was, I think, "My Life, My Knife," or the my the, life the knife. knife. Yeah, my life with a knife. But he's talking about, uh, oh yeah, this. I've uh, been in contact with this killer, this copycat, and he asked for some, uh, and he he doesn't even want to say it. My spirit, and they're like, oh, you mean your sperm? Um, and then I realized later that uh, the killer, we see him working in the sperm bank. He oh switches God. out some sperm and puts other sperm in. He thinks he's putting in Harry Connick Jr. He's seeding the population with with uh, Henry Lee yeah. Collins uh, seed. Dastardly. Anyway, uh, go on. Um. So so yeah. So he changed the mo. Then they realize, oh, he's emulating the Hillside Strangler, which were two different people that worked together. That initially they thought it was one person, then it turns out to be two. And so it's like, oh my god, he's like copying the different killers. And then we see him ask a woman for directions while driving a uh, a yellow Volkswagen Bug and we realize oh my god he's doing Ted Bundy but it turns out he's actually doing David Berkowitz and then he what did he move on to after Berkowitz? Dahmer. Dahmer. Dahmer yeah he, he totally emulated Dahmer 
And this is where we find out that, uh, so Sigourney Weaver's uh, character, you're breathing into the mic too, Phil. My goodness, like, it's a good microphone. It picks up everything. It I think that's chewing. what the windsock is for. Yeah. Let's put the windsock back in. <laughs> Give me the mic. Give me the mic. Good God. How's it now? I can still hear that. <laughs> okay. Uh. Oh, they can't breathe now? <clears throat> oh. No. Hold your breath for the rest of the podcast. Um, what happens next? Um, Dahmer. Oh, you were saying yeah, Sigourney Weaver has a live-in... Um, assistant named Andy. And the first... Then, like, So they both noticed Dermot Mulroney. And he's like, oh, I bet he'll be back. I think he thinks you're cute, too. And then she goes, he was cute, wasn't he? And you guys are both like, well, I'm confused. What's going on? And I'm like, I think it means he's possibly a homosexual. And I wasn't confused. <laughs> did you like my pronunciation there, Kit? <laughs> a homosexual. <laughs> I went a little uh, uh, mid-Atlantic with my accent on that one. <laughs> Um, but, and then it's like, oh yeah, they, and so they're, they're hanging so out. Unfortunately, he was the Jeffrey Dahmer victim. Yes, exactly. Played by, played by the same actor who, uh, <coughs> was the library administrator in the original Ghostbusters. That's true. Maybe. That's true. They Although they never did, movie. they, they didn't share any like on-screen time in that film though. Uh, Sigourney and, um, a little bit. Really? When? Well, he had the, he gave her the bag. She started hyperventilating. So the cops. No, no, no. I mean Ghostbusters. in Ghostbusters. Oh yes, in Ghostbusters. Okay, no, not at all. Have, uh, you know. But they were on set together, probably at the premiere. Mm -hmm. One thing leads to another. One thing leads to another. Hey, they both know Bill Murray. What's his name again? His real name. Andy. Oh no, the character's name is Andy. John Rothman. She's like, hey Johnny, I'm. Uh, I'm doing a movie called Copycat. What do you think? Hey, yo, Johnny, I'm doing this movie called Copycat over here. You're going to play a guy who gets killed by a guy trying to be Jeffrey That's Dahmer. That's a very spot on Sigourney Weaver there, Kit. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so then he goes in. Then they, they realize the pattern is the, the names of serial killers that uh, she read out at that opening scene in the lecture hall where he was present. Um, and then they think, oh, he's going to be Jeffrey Dahmer. Then there's some shenanigans with, like, an Asian crime gang. Then Dermot already gets shot to death very stupidly. Yeah, this is kind of a, a weird thing. I guess yeah. it's supposed to teach Holly Hunter's character. To always shoot to kill. She has this whole thing with Dermot Mulroney at the front where they're practicing, right? Yeah. And and they um, they you, you think they're all actually on a crime bust, but they kick open they're a door. A training scenario. And uh, Dermot Mulroney just shoots a bunch of bullets at the, uh, at the target. And she's like, mm. well, you certainly killed him. And then she schools him a bit how you don't actually want to take a life. She's actually like a good cop. This yeah. is what cops should be aspiring to. Um, don't take a life. Shoot him shoot in the, him the shoulder. shoulder. Kills, him, right? kills his nerves. He'll drop the weapon. And then you win the day and you're a hero. And this backfires on her when uh, Dermot Mulroney is being uh, held hostage by this uh, Chinese gang member. Mm -hmm. um, For like some minor charge. So it wasn't like he was in a cell. He was just kind of like sitting at a desk with his hands cuffed. It could have been like... You know, he was jaywalking while they were arresting all the other guys. Like, oh, you come in too. You, well, I'm assuming from his behavior that it wasn't just jaywalking. He but I got <laughs> the impression that there was like a gang of them and they were kind of just separated, but they were all together and they, the police were trying to like contain them type of thing. Right. And they were all together. Yeah. But Dermot really offered him donuts as like, oh, thanks for sitting here and doing nothing. Like, yeah. True. Yeah. True. It was a very tragic, tragic case. Yeah. Uh, so didn't, while. Didn't see it coming at all. While, while he's holding him, Dermot Mulroney hostage. 
Holly Hunter shows up on the scene and then expertly shoots this man in the shoulder. He drops the gun. He falls to the ground. She saved the day, but... He picks up the gun with his other hand and shoots Dermot Mulroney in the in back. In the heart, right through the heart. Shot through the heart. Yep. And you're too late, <laughs> darling. You're in a, a bad name. Bad name. All right. Um, and then it falls, and then like right after Dermot Mulroney falls on the ground, you see the donuts spill out onto the floor. It's very poignant. Up, yeah. I even even grab more tragic. One of those donuts. I'm not gonna lie. Donut tragic donut crimes, yeah. I highly recommend the donuts at Apocalypse now on uh, Blore and Christie. They're so good. They're vegan. No animals were killed in the making of those donuts. Yeah, Kit. Not a single one. Usually when I'm eating the Boston cream donut from Tim Hortons, there's a big hunk of pork in it. Oh, yeah, and then... Uh, <clears throat> oh, it turns out our killer has laid an elaborate trap for... Or no, Sigourney Weaver decided to lay a trap for the killer. It backfired, though, when, like... So they go to the house. They figure out who the guy is by tracking down his um, his VW Bug. Yeah, they realize he's going to do Bundy next based on her lecture. So like, mm-hmm. oh, he's just done Dahmer. Because, yeah, he kills uh, Sigourney Weaver's assistant, Andy, and yeah. chops his head off and puts his body in the river. It's yeah, very terrible. Poor Andy. Andy. I would say, I was like, when as soon as I, like they cut to the club, so Dahmer infamously like, stalked men at gay clubs. And so you heard just, David Bowie's fame, and you were like, yeah, they're doing Dahmer. They're doing Dahmer. Um, I don't know why I, I put well, that together. It was, it was shown on the list too that it's coming up, right? It yeah. could have been anything. But the previous scene, yeah. But the previous scene was Andy and his uh, his other half heading out for the night, and Scorpion like, "You're actually gonna go dress like that?" And he's like, "We know a place." And I was like, "No, I don't want to see Andy because Andy's such a great character. I didn't want to see him get beheaded." And we thankfully didn't see the entire act happening. It just, like, started and then it dissolved. But this got to your whole, which I thought curious. You're like, oh, the crossfade means it happens because it yeah. cuts out in a crossfade to the next scene. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that was a movie trope where uh, the crossfade yeah, is. Yeah, you can always kind of tell, like, if they're going to kill a character off screen, um, they tend to do a crossfade away from it so that you're just kind of, like, left hanging, like, what happened? Maybe he's okay. He's not. He's not no, okay. He's never no. okay. Two together, right? Yeah, I've also seen a lot of movies, so I mean that kind of explains it. This movie loves its tropes. I I know, and I like the movie for it. It's like it's the perfect early '90s thriller, like that first five years of the '90s, like post Silence of the Lambs, pre Seven. It's, it's just a solid piece of filmmaking with like good good performances, good script, good direction from the director of The Man Who Knew Too Little and The Core. Um, I'm not going to let him go for that. The Core was a horrible movie that I watched twice. Um, um, and probably because uh, Seven uh, came out at the same time as Copycat, it clearly overshadowed Copycat. Yeah, I mean, it did. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's legitimately a good movie as opposed to Copycat, but it's also... Uh, Copycat's a good movie? What are you talking about? I, I would agree with Phil that Seven is a better film. Yeah, yeah, Seven is a better film. But um, they're both good movies. There's even a, like a little trivia here on IMDb. Um, mm-hmm. Years later, Sigourney Weaver would state that she was most proud of her work in this film. Yeah, it's a good film. She worked hard to portray the mindset of an agoraphobic, agri- agoraphobic, and has regretted that the movie was lost in a shuffle of thrillers at the mm-hmm. same time. And is not there were a lot of thrillers that came out at that time. But you know, like copycats, like more along in the line of like the. The early '90s throws, whereas like seven kind of yeah, just... seven was the dividing dividing yes. line for sure. 
So you don't like it, do you, Phil? I think he's just on a... He's like, a, it's not the best film I've ever seen. I think that's yeah. where Phil's coming from. Yeah, it, it's a mediocre film. What? Mediocre? Mediocre does sound harsh, I'm going to say. Yeah, it is, but that. Phil doesn't like anything, so, you know. I'm sorry, that's not true, Phil. You do like films. <laughs> it's innocuous. It's innocuous. <sighs> I swear to God. Lillian, what did you no, think? But seven, I, I see where you're coming from, Phil. Like, Seven was like, whoa. Yeah. Right? So, like seven yeah, was I know. super intense. It's a seven in. Yeah. Stop calling it that. <laughs> Stop. No one calls it that. We know it's it's not like fan four stick where they put the four in for no reason, but it's. I I liked the characters in this movie, and I've seen this movie several times, and I don't know. Like there's instances in it that I still remember now that I've kind of carried on. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I'm a fan. I like this movie. A lot and of tragedy in this film. As you were pointing out, yeah. um, nobody gets out of this very well. No one walks away clean in this film. Everyone, uh, Holly Hunter and mm-hmm. Dermot Mulroney seem like they have like a little... Yeah. He brings her no sushi and she's happens. like, oh, you're bringing yeah. me sushi. And he's like, oh, I've got a cheeseburger. There's lots of teasing of romance, but no romance actually blossoms. And then he gets killed and it's it's her fault. Right in front of her face. <laughs> and it's, it's very tragic. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of tragedy. Although at the end... So it uh, basically, um, the killer, the, they track him down, the killer, the p- cops go to his house, but he's lit a fire. He's killed his, we're not quite sure if it's his mother, his lover, or his cousin, uh, but there is a female in the house that he kind of takes care of. His cousin? I was going for the third. <laughs> I always just assumed it was his mother. I don't know. But this time around, I was like, who is this? Woman? I think it's like a May-December yeah. relationship. And she's the rich person who's like... He's financing his yeah. uh, killing enthusiasm. She's such an old lady, though, but like young. She's not that old. She looks to be about in her 40s and he's in his 20s. She looks like she's ill, though, in certain ways. Like, like yeah. she's bedridden. Yeah. It's never really, never really explained or covered. Anyway, she dies. Yeah, she does. Um, and then he blows up the house with the cops inside of it, and they're like, well, I guess he's dead. Um, and then turns out he's not. He's actually disguised as a cop. Shows up to Sigourney Weaver's house, and then there's two cops there. She opens the door. The He's the cop behind the other cop. He slits the cop's throat, goes in, knocks her out cold, and then leaves a, um, a plot device for uh, Holly Hunter's character to find, which is a videotape of him with... Scorning Weaver's character is like, if you're smart, you'll figure out where we are. Then we go all the way back to the location at the start of the film where he has tried to recreate it down to the wire, having a dead cop and having uh, her being hung. Holly Hunter shows up. She sets off an alarm. He knows what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. There's a huge... Um, <laughs> Graham is rushing through the rest of the plot. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm rushing myself to bed right now because uh, my, my brain is just slowly being like, you took NyQuil. What a stupid idea when you're supposed to talk out of your mouth. Um. So, anyways, yes, Kit. Well, no, you you, you got it going. Uh, he, mm-hmm. He's got a he's got Sigourney Weaver hung up. He's very meticulous on the details yes. here. He's like, no, your shoe should be like this. Yeah, exactly. He, t- he sees that there that she's got still got both shoes on, but in the opening scene, she loses a shoe, so he takes the shoe off and lays it on the floor where the original shoe fell. He is a stickler for detail. Was the head cocked this way? Was it cocked that way of the dead security guard? Oh, yeah, at one point he's asking Sigourney Weaver for, like, advice. Like, is this how he's posed? Like, this is good? Is this how you remember him? Kind of taunting yeah, her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Another um, opportunity for Prada shoe product placement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's wearing Prada shoes. Errata or something. It, it wasn't was, actual it Prada. Was Prada. It, it was, was, it was like... Errata or something. Oh, really? Yeah, it was oh. like a generic made-up I name. I didn't notice that. Yeah. 
Yeah, this film was like small on uh, on product placement. Not like a 2017 film at all. Well, there's the compact product placement, the compact computer. Yeah, but that was always obscured. It wasn't like there was a, like a I got to get on my compact computer and go to the internet and open up my 56K modem and download an AVI file. Um, all that stuff happened in the movie, by the way. So Hollywood the AVI sh- files that they download are quite I something. I know. I was kind of very impressed by it, but they couldn't figure out how to like watch it again once they'd already downloaded it. It was great because um, that's not how computers worked even back then. And then what, like FaceTiming with Daryl? I know it's not FaceTime, but I'm being... That's it what might they were well doing, be. basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were Skyping via the Well, I mean, modem. this is the same era of the net where Sandra Bullock orders a pizza online. Yes, so. yes. That. So, like, the net yeah. copycat is very prescient. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, They're very much like, in the future, you're going to do everything on the internet. And then some critic was like, what a bunch of nerds. That'll never happen. <laughs> and here we all have, we're all sitting here with, with smartphones. Oh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so Hollywood. So, Sigourney Weaver, like, so basically, like, uh, the killer. So, Holly Hunter realizes she's got to, like, up her game. So, she actually has a second gun with her. The. Our killer disarms her and is about to, like, hurt her when uh, Scorny Weaver decides, like, okay, the only way to get him off his game is to, like, mess up the whole actual pattern. So she steps off of the toilet that she's being, that she's, like, put her weight on and starts to be hung by the wire that he has, he has strung around her like a noose. She starts choking. He's like, no, 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 that's not how it goes. And then he can't get her to put her feet back on the thing, on the toilet. So then he has to shoot the cable to to get it to her to fall down. Then they engage in a bit of a fight. She stabs him with some glass. Um, and then she escapes and she's running away and then he tracks oh, she maces her down. Him and, yeah. yeah. Maces him. And then, uh, just as they're about to get the drop, bang, Holly Hunter shows up. She's wearing a bulletproof vest that she was wearing in an earlier scene and she shoots him. And then when in one, the shoulder, in the first. shoulder at first, and then when one shot isn't enough, she just empties her entire gun at him and just takes him down. She, she turns him into Swiss cheese. She learned her lesson. Always shoot the suspect dead shoot to kill not yeah, to disarm she shoots him in the back of the head you compared his death to Tommy Wiseau in the room yeah it was very much a, a Wiseau-esque death you guys are just ruining that movie for me I haven't seen it yet <laughs> don't worry when we do our special Spoilers. room episode um, are, are you coming for the special the room episode there Phil maybe yeah we'll, we'll see how that happens the room episode is actually going to be Scott Sherrick's first episode on the podcast oh nice alright oh, the hmm? off Mentioned. The often mentioned, but rarely seen. Possibly made up. Possibly. You know, you guys know him too. Do we? Uh, who are we talking about? We I could just be here talking to myself, talking to like a banana or something. Sherrick doesn't even sound like a real last name. That sounds like something you just make up. I'm pretty sure he made it up. He's not a big teddy bear or anything, is he? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> the film ends with uh, with Henry Lee Callum. Uh, I think you've you've changed his <laughs> name. You, it was Daryl Lee Callum, then it was Henry Lee Callum. I don't even know. Daryl Lee Callum writing a fan letter to someone named Connor um, or Conrad, sorry, who he says is another killer. And he complains like, "Oh, this guy he he missed the script too much, so he couldn't succeed. But if you stick true to it." You will succeed. And then it shows, then we go to a close-up on Daryl Lee, whatever, and credits. It's just, yeah, staring at the camera. So it was, he was the mm-hmm. mastermind, sort of. Yeah, the orchestrator, as you will. Don't forget him, like, giving himself a paper cut on his tongue, licking the envelope. Oh, oh yeah. That was a nice little detail. So, Kit. 
what else do you have? I have some trivia stuff here too. Um, I was just, uh, I was mentioning earlier how I liked some of the, mm-hmm. the teeth. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. Kit's has... a very big fan of uh, cinematic teeth. Well, I'm, I'm an observer of cinematic teeth. So like Harry Connick Jr., he has a kind of a butter yellow teeth, just kind of snarl mouth. And it looks authentic for his character. But I remember watching Braveheart, also out in 95, I think. Um, and you've got all these Scottish peasants, poor people of the earth and they've just got these pearly white chompers just like just every totally single one of them awesome and you often find this in films even when the character is supposed to be uh, not rich or something they've got hollywood teeth because the actor or whatever was like oh, i don't want to put i don't know i don't know yeah. what they have to do to make teeth look bad or i, I don't know what it is yeah. but they had some like they've got some dentures that they put on over their teeth or something but harry connick's teeth were all mangly and snaggly. Even uh, Sigourney Weaver's teeth looked, as you said, human. Human, yeah. They're off-white. They're They look not... like teeth, not like yeah, chiclets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's my one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we came up with... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So Sigourney Weaver is actually a foot taller than Holly Hunter. So for most of the scenes, we notice in it that she's actually sitting down while interacting with Holly Hunter. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the more you know. Also, I was mentioning that uh, bathroom scene, the the, yeah. f- the final, the final scene, one, took eight days to film. Which yeah. I'm I'm trying to I was trying to figure that out while watching. There it. is a lot of coverage. Like why in that it. would from from a cinema standpoint, there is a lot of coverage. It's a lot of tight spaces. You have to understand the mirrors, right? That could get in the way. The mirror. So like that was definitely like a set that they like because like if you, there were certain impossible angles that you could not do in a, in a practical location. So they probably had like because for the overhead shots and the toilet stall, like they probably like had to remove the the ceiling and build a rig. Um, and also just, just getting it right. Like films now are so compressed in their shooting schedule. Like, uh, someone was remarking like, well, no one makes a movie longer than two weeks back. Then movies used to shoot for like three months or like six months, like for a big action movie, like you're looking at like nine months to a year of shooting to get it right because of all the, the stuff involved. And you, you sometimes spend an entire day just trying to get like 12 seconds worth of an explosion but you couldn't get it. And this film, there was just so much coverage, so many angles, so many moving parts in that scene too, because there was the corpse. Cause we, he, the killer actually disguised himself as the corpse on the floor. And that was his genius plan to, to defeat Holly Hunter. So yeah, I could see it taking eight days to film. It took eight weeks. Same, and it's the same cop he dragged from Sigourney's house, right? I think it's yes. a new cop. Is it a new cop? Yeah, yeah, because they, yeah, they find the original corpse, yeah. Because it was super clean in there. Like, even that cop didn't look like he was bleeding. Oh, you might be right. He, because no, there were two but, white cops but, at the door. There was a black cop that was the dead fan. guy. The oh, hallway. right. Yeah, that was the guy. So maybe he did yeah, take maybe the cop. Although, him. that would... Man. He, he could drag a body and up to the top. his little bug, his little Volkswagen bug. I don't think he was to. driving the bug at that point. That'd be very uncomfortable for all involved. He's just he up there. other arrangements for that night. Yeah. You can see him like with his knees all bunched up driving on the steering wheel. Like, this is going to be so worth it once I get to the... Oh my God, I wish I sprung for a Volkswagen station wagon. Or a minibus or something. Um, you were mentioning the score, by the way. Uh, James, yeah, it's quite good. James was Newton it? Howard was approached mm-hmm. to score the film, but instead... Turned it down to work on Waterworld. Mistake, James Howard. Newton Howard. Smooth move, Howard. <laughs> Christopher Young replaced him, and then John Emile was so happy with the result, he renewed his collaboration with Young on several Christopher other films. Christopher Young's done, like, a lot of, like, what, what else did he do? He's done, like, a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to remember, like, did he work with Cronenberg? Or how much, uh, and then, um, what's his face? Uh... This is what we call an edit point. Graham is Googling. 
how he composed Spider-Man 3. He also... The bad Spider-Man. The bad Spider-Man. Uh, he composed Drag Me to Hell. He composed oh, the... Oh, that's Exorcist, a good film. Cism of X... Of X Rose, of Emily Rose. He also did... I never saw that. He composed the score for The Run Diary. He composed additional score for Gone with the Pope. Wow. Bring it all on back home now, guys. <laughs> Speaking of bringing it together. back home, I caught a little bit of trivia where, like, that little detail where Dermal Rooney's character is like, oh, yeah, we're at the Zodiac case. He was in Deard Fincher's Zodiac. Yes, as he a, was. As a lieutenant or a captain, I think, yeah. in that film, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Lil, that was before you were on the podcast that we did Gone with the Pope. I know. Sorry, I also feel like I'm hogging the mic, but I realize that I'm not, like, switching my microphone over to Lillian quick enough to catch her, like, responses. I don't have any responses. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> they do mention the Zodiac in, in Copycat, only briefly, though. We don't get to see him copycatted, but um, the uh, the captain has given Holly Hunter's character the business and, like, oh, you gotta, maybe you're not doing it right. And she's like, didn't you work on the Zodiac killer case? Yeah, oh my god, guess what else the guy scored? Oh, okay. The core. Oh! Well, yeah, yeah. And the country bears. Ugh. <laughs> country and bandits? Bears. And the glass house? Swordfish? Sweet November? The gift! Ooh, I like the gift. That was a good one. I don't remember the gift. Oh my is god. Is that the one with Keanu? Oh my god. Is that the Wait one where they second. get the weird gift and then it, like, kills somebody? Wait no, a that's second. The other gift. His best credit ever. He did the soundtrack for Hellraiser oh. and Hellraiser 2 Hellbound those soundtracks are awesome I think we just yeah he just he that totally makes up for the core with him doing the score for uh, for Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 <laughs> they're really great scores yeah wow wow well, I haven't seen the core but it could have a great score and be a lousy film no it doesn't <laughs> not at all the score makes it but not the core Sure. All right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, oh, I don't know at all anymore. So, guys, uh, Kit, did you have any more notes on Zodiac from or Zodiac? Uh, Son of Sam, um, copycat. Sam, <laughs> we're just rattling off. No, yeah. this 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 film makes me want to go watch those A and D documentaries on. Uh, yeah. On um, different killers, killers there is yeah, killers, there is killers, there watching, yeah. How they were caught and what the police thought at the time. I find all those details very interesting. So, the mm-hmm. fun thing about this film is that it includes some of that, yeah. but then it moves along at a brisk pace that I don't know. Yeah. It's on its own little thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, guys, final thoughts. What are your final thoughts on uh, Copycat, Phil? Yes. Yeah, I was going to get to this point, like the, the plot device, um, where um, Holly Hunter shoots Dude um, to kill. I, it's, it's such a hackneyed plot device. I think of uh, Lethal Weapon that. and Die Hard. Those are probably the two most prominent examples. Or they just introduced mm-hmm. that bit, like, oh, yeah, like, like Danny Glover's never shot anybody, doesn't have to, but, like, of course he's going to have to shoot somebody when he, to save the day. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in Die Hard, like, Reginald Bell Johnson. Carl from Family Matters, yes. Carl know. Winslow, yes. Um, he's racked with guilt about shooting the kid, and he can't use his gun ever again, but sure enough, he does. I, I don't, yeah, I don't like this trope very much, because it seems to suggest that 
the only good shooting is a yeah the humanity of the cops the um the kind of consideration that they might have for a dirty no good criminal who's trying Mm -hmm. to kill them um is wrong-headed and that they should really just kill that suspect yeah yeah it was that was whatever but i don't know i liked it in this case no i know i know they they worked it wasn't as rah-rah as this boom as reginald vell johnson or danny glover (laughs) it's been revoked that was a lethal weapon too I have immunity. You forget. Ha ha ha. <laughs> it's been revoked. Blam, blam. I just love that character. Yeah. He's so shitty. He's just like, you don't understand. I've got immunity. Like, he's such the Bond villain. Um, also, this film increased my crush on Holly Hunter. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was, she was all that in a bag she, of adorableness she's, she's, in this movie. Yeah, she's rocking the bangs and the ponytail. And, yep. She's a cutie. Agreed. Mm, we all agree. <laughs> um, Kit, what are your final thoughts on Copycat? I think I gave them. It's Lillian's turn. Yeah, Lillian, what's your final thoughts on Copycat? It was your suggestion. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I'm glad we watched it and it's neat to see it again. Um, since I've seen a lot of, you know, those shows csi and all that murder and this murder that and i got kind of yeah yeah, i got kind of tired of it and it's so burned out yeah i I feel like criminal minds in some of these shows owe a debt to copycat maybe even yeah yeah sure but i i don't know i'm I, i can't do those shows anymore i don't know well, it's too much. It's just punishing. Like with a movie like this has like a, a movie has a story and a and a, and an ending, and you're like, oh my god, like then it's enjoyable. Whereas those shows are just like misery porn. Yeah, like it's just the same every time. Like with a little, you know, just a little different, but you know everything's gonna like turn out in the end, and just, ah, uh, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. This one involves like, you know, we get to see their three many different lives and a lot of lives get taken and blah 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 but yeah it was it was it was good it was exciting to watch at that time and it was i think it carries or it holds up it held for sure yeah Uh, my thoughts my thoughts are i like nyquil um (laughs) it's uh it's gonna help me sleep tonight before i have to get to work tomorrow i'm battling a hell of a drug i know um yeah, so I I liked it. I mean, I appreciated it as a part of uh, mid early to mid nineties like uh, pop cultural preface. I love the fact that like the actors in this film are a murderer's row of talent. Um, I thought it was competently directed. Um, yeah, it was a fun I love entertaining your enthusiasm. Here, <laughs> what enthusiasm? <laughs> Never mind. It's the Nyquil. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like normally I'm bouncing off the walls, like, oh my god, it was the best movie ever. The guy with the boat, you see it? Yeah. He shot the guy in the face, and it was, and then said, why me? Why not? Bang! And then cut to music. Bam, ba bam, 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 bam. Um, there was uh, not too many musical cues in here, but we did no. get a weird Sting song. Yeah, there was a weird through. Sting song and a David Bowie song and a Partridge Family song. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, because he copied the David Berkowitz to the letter of the the, the law. The letter of the law? I don't know if that's quite right. The Sting song, was that based on anybody? I don't think so. That was just his thing, right? Sting just wrote a bunch of creepy songs in the mid-80s. Daryl told him to do that or something, right? Well, Sting just wrote a bunch of creepy songs in the mid-80s. He did. That was was the letter that was posted in the phone booth for the Berkowitz murder, Yeah, it had something to do with uh, murder as an art, so that led them. It didn't really lead them anywhere, to be honest with you. No, it didn't. 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, yeah, if you, I heard on the radio, um, what was that thing? Or the police song, I Can't Stand Losing You. That is a dark, dirty, awful song. All about, like, you'll be sorry when I'm dead. I guess you'd call it suicide. But, you know. Yeah, every breath you take is the quintessential stalker, stalker song. Theme, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of fitting that he made it to this movie, isn't it? One of his mm-hmm. songs. Sting has problems. Very fitting. All his songs are creepy. Don't Stand Too Close to Me is about a teacher being like to his underage girlfriend, be like, hey, come on, don't do that in public. And uh, Roxanne is about a prostitute that he's like, no, nah, just stay in tonight and I'll, I'll pay you to whatever. Um, you don't have to put on the red light. Yeah. So, on that note, we're going to uh, leave the abandoned video store yet again. We will reconvene here next week. With all that being said, I've been Graham. I've been Phil. I've been mostly Kit. And I've been Lil. And be sure to rewind and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to uh, like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Clap, clap. You can clap now. Bye.